We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Merchandising is one of the most important practices any retailer can implement. And the beautiful part for e-commerce sellers is we have a ton of options and strategies that are really so powerful. Offline sellers might look at them and call them magic. It's that good. And in this episode, we're going to break down all of the details on how to do merchandising effectively for e-commerce. So, Michael, are you ready to jump into this fun topic with me? I am. I like it. And you've called this e-commerce merchandising magic. I like magic. Uh, But what is merchandising exactly in this context? So it's a great question. And if you're new to selling online and you maybe not an offline retailer prior to that, you're not familiar with the phrasing here. But Wikipedia says that merchandising is the activity of promoting the sale of goods, especially by the presentation. And it is an old school retailer's phrase. And it means how you put together the visual presentation. And a lot, you know, a lot of times there'll be a merchandiser in a retail store, like at a Target or Macy's or whatever. And they're literally responsible for what is displayed on the shelf, on the end caps, on the floor, you know, by the checkout, where things go in the store. And they have a whole set of tools and strategies and techniques for doing that in brick and mortar. And in e-commerce, we have a different set of tools and strategies that we can talk about today. So I think it's a really critical concept for online sellers to really grapple with. If they don't have a brick and mortar background, they'll be, you know, kind of new to it in that regard. And that's why this podcast, I think, is particularly important. Excellent. All right. So it's it's getting goods kind of saleable, the way you present them, the way yeah. you package them, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So- Here's an example. Yeah. My, my mentor, who I work with on this stuff all the time, when I talked to him recently about this training we did for our small CEO small group, I talked to him about, it's called Profit Habits. And we did this special training. We had had a list of habits that were you know, designed to create profit in your company. I showed it to him and then I said, what were your biggest milestones in your success to create profit in your business? And I was really surprised. He, he listed like four that were the biggest triggers for, you know, increasing his profit over the years and a f- successful merchandising was one of them. And so I was like, well, what do you mean by that? Now his industry is, rest- he's a restaurateur. He runs fast food industry, you know, franchise. And he basically talked all about the standalone menu item, like, hey, buy a hamburger versus the value meals and baskets and things where it's like a combo. And that whole system of creating the food bundle, I guess you could call it in a, in a, in a restaurant context, is how he really you know, drove profitability in his, in his individual stores that he was responsible for. And, and, and owns. And so he was very clear on this idea of merchandising at that context in a restaurant. He called it merchandising. Now, a brick and mortar person would call it, how do you bundle things together on shelves or in caps? And so when he said merchandising was one of his top triggers for profitability, I was like, oh my gosh, mm. you know, that's important for e-commerce sellers as well. You know, totally. And I guess it reminds you of the, how, do you want fries with that kind of classic upsell in McDonald's, mm-hmm. which apparently... I understand yep. that at least triples their profit levels. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, they're, they're sort of, 
whatever base sticks you offer tend to be at around the break-even point. And obviously, they get a lot of repeat custom, but it's not like a subscription. So it kind of mm-hmm. sits halfway between the poor Amazon seller who may never see the customer again and a Shopify owner who, who may have a very loyal list on an email. So that's that's fascinating to me. I mean, it makes sense. But the fact that yeah. your mentor found it really drove uh, profit is a great reason to take it seriously. Yeah, and he he goes on and you know how anybody in their own industry can totally geek out and talk about it for like hours <laughs> whatever so once you get him going on this stuff he can just go and go and go but you know there's a whole thing in you know the last 25 years or so that they call the burger wars where everyone was competing on a value menu where it was like you know get a burger for 99 cents and then they would that was their big draw you know that was the top of the funnel to get people in and then they would upsell you the fries, they would say, do you want fries with that? But they don't do that anymore. And he said, they don't do that anymore because it wasn't profitable. He said the the way they sell now is just the, I'd like a number six, please. And that in, is inherently including the fries, the burger and the drink. So the that bundling or merchandising is, they don't do you know the, the one-off value menu anymore. McDonald's doesn't do that. It's not done. And so that was kind of his his insight into it. It t- ties into pricing, but it also is a bundling strategy, which is a clear goal for merchandisers. Yeah, nice. That's that's really very interesting. That, that that's changed because the profit levels just disappeared. So yeah. I know you've got another a bricks and mortar example for us. So do you want to run over that quickly? Sure. Well, Costco is the master of many many things in terms of brick and mortar and a growing online effort as well. But they're local to us here in the Seattle area. They're right up the road. A Kirkland brand is actually named after Kirkland, Washington, which is where I used to work and went to college. And uh, so it's a local town here. And so the co- idea for Costco's merchandising is pretty interesting. They they have it out there. You can go Google this. And they have what they call the six rights model. Like if they get one thing right, then the next thing right, then the next thing right, you know, idea. And so they have six of these things here. And I'll just mention them. You know, I think they're interesting to think about. The first thing is they have to have the right merchandise. So the the right products. Second thing they have to have is the right place. And by place, they mean physically in their store. You know, do they sell something up towards the cash register or is it back in the produce department or whatever, whatever. Uh, The third thing is the right time. So seasonality, you know, they will have, if you go to, I don't know if you do Costco, Michael in London, do they have Costco's? Are they You know, I think I've been to one once or something very like it. I think called Matalan here, which I think has some Mm -hmm. similarities. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're familiar, then you'll know, like in Costco, you walk in in the springtime and they do have tons of, you know, plants and shrubs and they'll have azaleas and, and, uh, you know, have a, a whole garden section right in the front. At Christmas time, they'll have seasonal stuff like, you know, that. So the right time is this the third idea here. Then the fourth one is the right quantity. And if you're familiar with Costco's quantity strategies, they're masters at the big, <laughs> the, the big pack. Whatever, whatever big means, they double it. So if you're used to a 12 pack, they give you a 24. So the right quantities. The fifth thing is the right condition. And I don't know, you'd have to ask a Costco person what that means exactly. I I assume it means not broken or damaged, but it's got to mean more than that to them. And then the right play, uh, price. And so the, the price is the sixth thing on their list, not the first thing on their list. So there you go. So that's the Costco six rights merchandising model. I think it's interesting to think about. 
a great checklist to just go through your own stock and your own positioning and, and what you're planning to do next and just mm -hmm. kind of run it through that. I think that's really, really helpful, actually. Okay, so as e-commerce sellers then, those all make sense, but it's a bit abstract because the brick and mortar Mm -hmm. world works in a slightly different way well a very different way so the way we go into a physical store is always the same whereas the entry to a brick you know an, an online store could be through multiple channels couldn't it so uh, mm -hmm. what are the things we can do that brick and mortar sellers can't i think you've got four concepts for us so let's go through these exciting yeah. concepts yeah and i think this is the thing to think about where where i mentioned this is you know e-commerce magic these are things that the brick and mortar people can't do that we can do and the fact that we can do them gives us a competitive advantage. And when you think through these, you start to realize, oh, my gosh, this is why Amazon became Amazon. You know, and the, these are the reasons e-commerce is winning and people are migrating to e-commerce selling and brick and mortar is struggling. And so let's walk through these. They're just a four ideas. But there are many ideas we could have. We could go down this list for a long time. But the first few, I think, are critical. And the, and the first one on the list is upselling. So the ability to offer another logical product at the point of checkout, you know, right in the, in the process of the customer checking out can really, really magnify your average order value and delight your customer and move more goods. And the idea here that's central is particularly in Shopify. And I know I was kind of gravitate towards the Shopify use case, but in Shopify, you can use an app, uh, bold product upsells that allows you to add a product in the checkout process for a discount and it's an invisible discount on your website until the right person is buying the right product and then they're offered the incentive to uh, add an additional product so if you think about couponing or discounting or big price cuts or doing a sale you really can start to get very laser beam precise on who you offer that sale to how you offer it and doing it in a very discreet way and that's sort of the magic of upselling. If you rig up your store so that the upsell is available to the right people at the right time, it's literally magic. So if a competitor went to Pixie Fair, our website, and they saw our catalog of 3,000 products, they would be like, okay, I, you know, my competitor has 3,000 products. What they don't see is the hundreds and hundreds of upsells that we have baked into our website designed for the exact right customer at the point of purchase. They don't see those because they're not going to go through and try to buy all of our products, but that's the power of upsells. And it's really an incredible opportunity to have every e-commerce seller think through how can they logically include a beautiful new next product in the customer journey. So there you go. I like that hidden upsells. It's, it's not something that occurred to me because obviously in the Amazon universe, everything's available to everyone all the time. But I, I really yeah. like because of that experience, I really like the fact that your competitors can't easily reverse engineer what you're doing. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, for an Amazon seller who's just constantly looking over the shoulder, that's really great. I like that a lot. And I really yeah. like the fact that it's a very personalized discount. I mean, what's your experience at Pixie Fair of the sort of outcomes of the increase in average order value and mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. advantages? What, what's the actual outcome for you guys? We frequently say internally, we make most of our money on upsells. That's our internal conversation. So, and then, that's that's i guess the the, the answer is I mean, yeah in, that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, are, are yeah. Not, that's not, not a subtle answer yeah <laughs> no are, are not publicly mentioned but frequently internally commented topic is we we make most of our money on upsells yeah hmm. i guess to there the you. point of the burger wars that the initial thought was we better get people in with a low offer <clears throat> that mm -hmm. maybe more or less breaks even 
then that didn't work. So the bundle was the thing that they publicly offer. I guess you're doing a sort of effectively bundling, but a sort of a quasi, what's the word, a quasi tailored bundle, but it's thought it, about in advance, something like it that. It is, is that I guess. It? Yeah, I guess that's a way to look at it, isn't it? Or you could just say, I'm not good at bundling and I need to learn how to do that. <laughs> but that gets to our second big magic trick yeah. is bundling. So that's number two here on our little list. And the idea is, and this is really powerful, the the bundling that you can do comes in two varieties for e-commerce sellers. And this this one applies to Amazon sellers and Shopify sellers. So they, here you go, you know, you know, rationalize this for the Amazon community of sellers. But you basically can create two two different types of bundles very easily. One is a in real life, what you might call kitted bundle, where you literally put two products together and they go into your warehouse or they're ready to go out the door and they are sold that way. You know, and you, you've got them available on your as your product listing that way. The other way you can bundle is virtual bundles, where in the warehouse, they're not technically put together in any way. But on the front end customer facing presentation, as a product, it's a bundle. And when the customer buys that bundle, it's just literally, you know, co you know, produced together into the right box and sent to the customer at the point of, you know, shipping. And that virtual bundle is a really, really powerful idea because it allows you to have an almost unlimited optionality in terms of your front end products. And if you, if you haven't thought through this point and you're an e-commerce seller, you've got to really think through this because it allows you to create an almost limitless catalog of products. And there are different ways in which bundles make sense. And so I think it's a huge magic for us <laughs> that we can use in our e-commerce selling. Yeah, yeah, definitely true. And as you've, you've kindly said, this this does apply to Amazon sellers. So this is the only way in Amazon world where you can really take advantage of the power of bundling. So I guess to your to that, I quite like the burger analogy because I guess we've all eaten burgers from fast food joints. Like, so you can see, I, I don't eat particularly healthily all that. So instead of having a burger and then would you like fries with that? We never had that option anyway. We have to come up with the quotes value meal. So that kind of point that the burger was got to, we have to start with that or rather we have to experiment with that. There are virtual bundles in Amazon. You can theoretically put products together into virtual bundles and advertise it as quotes a new listing. I haven't found it very powerful because you can't advertise on them. So they tend to get very limited visibility. So I've not, I don't know anyone mm -hmm. who's really seriously making a dent with that. One yeah. little variation on the theme is, in fact, to use what they call parent-child variations. So one of our uh, mastermind mm -hmm. members does this very effectively, which isn't exactly the same as just pure bundling, but it's all about increasing the average order value, really. So mm -hmm. he will do something, for example, if you get a one-pack or a three-ounce pack or whatever it is, 125-gram pack, if you want to go metric, mm -hmm. and that is linked with the the two-pack, the three-pack, the four-pack, mm -hmm. whatever, across what they call a, a parent-child relationship. So it appears on Amazon, you just click on one of the little pictures, yeah. and you a three-pack, four-pack. I'm sure there's a very simple equivalent in the Shopify world. Yeah. And what that can do is is a bit like the, the cheap burger product that you pull people into the store with and then you actually, a lot of people go, actually, I'm too hungry, I need the value meal and then they, mm -hmm. uh, they buy the thing that actually makes more profit. The nice thing about that is, is also within the Amazon universe where you're constantly trying to rank your products and get reviews, it, it tends to get more reviews because you get more sales because it's cheaper and it gets more visibility as well. So it's a good way of, it's the closest you can get to kind of 
getting people in with a cheapish product and then upselling to more expensive products. So mm -hmm. there's limitations because it has to be the same kind of product. You can't sell somebody fries on top of a burger. It would have to be like a burger and two burgers. I'm going to post the analogy, but it's definitely worth implementing for sure. I've seen that work very well. I have heard people who are Amazon centered sellers who really geek out over the bundling options and the way they do it is around events and use cases. So they'll have, for example, the ultimate birthday party bundle or the, you know, backyard pinata party bundle, or, you know, they'll, they'll create these bundles for use cases for customers and do really, really well with those. And uh, in, in that way, you know, cause just for birthday parties, for example, you could have 200 or 300 ideas thematically of, you know, different types of birthday parties and you put the right kind of products together and of course, that allows you to have potentially higher price point for the bundle than you would for the individual items broken down. So, you know, you got 25 plates and 25 spoons and 25 plastic cups, and they're all, you know, a certain style or whatever. Uh, and, and those bundles seem to work well for, for a certain use case, if you will, for sellers. Yeah. That's nice. So I'm not, I guess, particular again, seasonality and occasions mm -hmm. going to birthdays uh, mm -hmm. is a bit more year round, but I guess this Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter, the obvious sort of culprits there. But that's, yeah, that's very yeah. good, actually. I have seen that my wife tends to buy sort of little sort of packs every so often like that. And I look at it mm -hmm. with an e-commerce seller's hat and I can't help it now. And I just think, wow, the profit margin on this is really good. There's hardly anything in here, but it's kind yeah. of been packaged up to feel like a nice event when you open the box. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. super smart, definitely. <laughs> there, There's a whole track of e-commerce sellers that geek out over that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, first of two parts on this topic, merchandising in e-commerce or bundling profits and other related things for profit. Part of the Profit Habits series that we're coming up with based on a lot of this is Jason's work, frankly, coming from his mentor combined with his own experience and his own client's experience. Amazing stuff. I and mean, I've got certainly some insights from what my clients are doing. The great thing if you're off Amazon or direct to consumer generally is you get to control this stuff. If you're on Amazon only at the moment, this is another reason why you want to consider strongly creating your own direct to consumer store. Not because you're going to do all of these tricks for all of your revenue, but because some of them become somewhat more possible when you have your own consumer base and consumer relationships, I would say. So the Costco six rights model, very useful checklist for any of us setting up a store of any description. If you have any control bundling definitely applies to Amazon sellers and omnichannel sellers equally. You have more opportunity to do virtually virtual bundling if you have your own direct consumer site or omnichannel, but definitely worth deep diving into that most people underuse the option of bundling what they tend to do is maybe a two pack and then they offer you know maybe a four pack but if you offered a one pack or a small thing as i mentioned that can be a great sort of gateway drug if you like into your product for your uh, consumers so this is stuff that's really worth thinking through uh, in the next episode we're going to deep dive a little bit more into some of the things that jason and cinnamon his wife have done at pixie fair their own e-commerce site where they've got some cool things where they're bundling not just products but business models more about that later as ever keep listening and if you enjoyed today's show don't forget to subscribe to the show also at the moment until the end of july 2021 we are running a contest all you need to do to enter is just to subscribe to the, the podcast on spotify or on apple 
And even if you refer a friend who also subscribes, that will give you points as well. Jason's a bit of a genius when it comes to podcasts. So it's definitely worth going through even just to see how it's run. And you could also win up to $250 Visa gift card prize. So very worth having. You could put it towards some ad advertising spend or <laughs> you can just spend it on a lovely uh, meal for the family whichever way it goes, but 250 real actual US dollars, folks. And if you're in the UK and you win, then we'll figure that out. I think having dollars, to be honest, is something I'm always happy to have anyway. So enter that, just go to www.contest.theecommerceleader.com. That's contest.theecommerceleader.com to enter for that. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Speak to you in the next show and good luck with all of your merchandising efforts. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.